live from the apocalypse. This is State of the Game. Love for people who need love, hate for people who need hate. I am your faithful host, Dano. Um, and you know why I'm here? You know why this is happening? Because the first concert that I can remember was B.B. King. I was close to B.B. King, or that's how it felt. He was in a powder blue suit. He was sweating like no one I had ever seen. And he was playing the guitar. Oh, he was playing the guitar. And there were autographed pictures of him from the 40s in the lobby. And I was like, I have to know this music. That's why we're uh, So, my co-host, the Jalen Brunson of State of the Game. Mm. K. Diggy, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Appreciate your time. Uh, we have a guest. I could go on. I could do a large introduction. But simply put, in his own words, this is the artsy dude from the crew who probably fucked your girl. <laughs> yeah, 85. Hey, hey I, how y'all doing? Thank you for having me. And I really will have to explain that line sooner or later. <laughs> I, I realized years later that it sounds different the way I meant it, even though it's still funny. <laughs> so, New I, I was the, great. I love New Yeah, I, I wasn't the dude that fucked your girl. My friends were. I was the artsy <laughs> dude from the crew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, I was the artsy guy within that collective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> this is not, we're no, no trains. This is not a mystical situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You want to separate. Uh, thanks for having uh, me. Oh, man. I'm so excited. Uh, the, this is, Kay, this is his first album in six years. Uh, oh, wow. And this, like, Sketch was beginning to feel like, uh, like Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster or something. Uh, <laughs> this is something like, Everyone I loved who did great work talked about how much they owed to Sketch uh, and and to mm. growing up under the tutelage, just seeing Sketch work. And I was and, and then the killer guest verses would come out. Great, great work on Little Robert Hutton. Um, uh, thank you, thank you. Great work, you know, everywhere you've, you've been there. And I was, you know, we were hungering for more. Certainly, I might have actually had you. In a dream backwoods lineup, uh, I create all kinds of fantasy lineups. Uh, all right, all right. No, maybe I wanted you to do an album produced by Elusive. Maybe that was it. Uh, oh, oh, we had talked about it years back. Yeah, no, he's actually first started producing. It was amazing. And when I first, when it was first announced, my first reaction uh, was, "Oh my god, he gets to get his album." Uh, mixed and mastered by Dove and Willie Green. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. You know, that's like finally getting the tux that fits you, you know? Uh, yeah. How, what is the difference of having Dove and Green to to straighten this stuff out and, and make it work? I mean, here's the interesting thing. Uh, Willie Green mastered Gunship Diplomacy. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he, like, funny. I actually have a copy of it right here for some reason. But, um, uh, but yeah, you know, he didn't master a gunship, so I was already familiar with him, and I like what he did. And I was just like, that's gonna be our go-to guy. Like, it's who Tomorrow Kings is using 
bar record that we're finishing up right now. It's yep. like just the guy, you know. And still tip dove, like, you know, I knew I wanted to go with him. Like my boy AM breakups just was not around for it, so to speak. And um I really dug uh Still Tip Dove's instrumental albums, you know. Mm. He has like all these crazy like these crazy uses of texture arrangements with his with a lot of his instrumental records. I was like, I want to work with somebody who who, you know, can zero in and get in that level of depth. Right. So so it was all you know, it was awesome. So I had already worked with Dove to record things for people. And chilled. He was a he was a really cool dude. And Jeff already knew him. So when we started getting to that point where we were mixing, it just was great. It was great. He's very fast. He's very enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah, he has really cool ideas. He knows not he he try he doesn't try to overstep like your aesthetic to make sure his fingerprints are there. But he but he adds a lot to it. So so that was that was wonderful. Him and Green having a relationship made certain parts of file transfer and getting the one-to-one with the sound perfect. So it was it was ill. It was really ill. You know, like honestly, it's one of my favorite mixing experiences I've ever dealt with just because of just because of the level of um, appreciation about it. That's awesome. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and it and that is it's an important mixing experience because your previous a lot of your previous work uh was you know was not with Jeff Marquis. Um yeah. analog tape dispenser uh who yeah. did War Church and uh New Age Middle Finger. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure how it would call it in Tomorrow Kings, but I'm guessing there was some involvement with Tomorrow Kings, maybe? He, he actually produced the first Tomorrow King song ever, Punk Over Driver, which is on our mixtape uh, industrial music. Yep. Yeah so yeah, so um, we got together, and you know he's one of my homies from from college, uh, from my college years. And I was just like, "What's up with this beat?" He sent it over. It's the craziest thing, and it was the first thing we ever locked in on. Squad when we were trying to build the chemistry. So yeah, no, but analog tape dispenser gives these like really cool, uh, jarring, disjointed sounds that are yeah. very. Yeah. It, it's just a very punk rock experience. You yeah. Know? Uh, what was that? I was thinking there's one that that really, to me, typifies it, I think. Uh, and I think it, it's on New Age Middle Finger. It is the mm. general warning. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Warning is just such a, like, it. it is a head nodder. It is fun, but it doesn't feel like it should connect together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean he's a trip because like he grew, like he grew up. He was the guy at his school that was heavy in the hip hop. Yep. In high school, but he also was heavy in the boards of Canada. Venetia Snares, the Apex Twin, and yep. Clark, and you know Black Dog, and all those guys. You know, and he's also from Texas. Yep. So there's a certain level of like, you know, affinity for all these drawing weird mathematic approaches, there's still some country shit in it time to time. Yep. And shoot, we we put together um Surgeon General Warner when drinking forties on our respective days off of work after college. You just made me think about that. That's awesome. No, he he 
Yeah, so it's a very different, like, uh, yeah, analog tape dispenser creates collages, you know, where yeah. it's, sounds are together. Uh, at Jeff Marquis, it's very different. It's very, like, it's very unified vision. It felt, hey, it felt very bluesy to me. The, the yeah, I, yeah I, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that because there was blue. There was blues involved. There was definitely a lot of jazz, and like it's interesting because like um, the beat selection. Me and Jeff have been talking about working on the record for a very long time. He had actually did the re he did a remix for New Age Middle Finger uh, for the song Christmas all those years back, and he did all the glitch sound effects on Gunship Diplomacy. Oh wow, that's cool. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, like that record actually, um, him and AM Breakups, who engineered the whole thing, used to be roommates. Then they were neighbors in the same building, across the hall from each other. So wow. we would record, we would mix, sometimes record, then walk and give him the fouls. He would do glitch effects, walk across the hall, give him the breakups, <laughs> <laughs> and we'd uh, awesome. work from there. So me and him have had a, a functioning work relationship for a long time. So, so we've been, I've been picking beats from him for a long time. And when we started really getting down with the record, it was it's interesting because you know, like I listen to, I listen to, I listen to a chunk of blues. You know, especially more now. My family, my father's side of the family is from the Mississippi Delta, blues era, you know, from you know where blues comes from. Absolutely. So a lot of that approach is always involved in the way I, I kind of talk, the way I go about stuff. And, you know, when we're working on records, I think some of our conversations force that to kind of seep in. You know, so it feels like blues, even if it isn't a blues sample, for lack of a better way of putting it. You know, like it kind of has a, a tempo, or not necessarily a tempo, has a meter about it. You know, yeah. that feels like that. Yeah. No, it's, hey, how did you, when you listened to uh, to the new album, he left nothing mm -hmm. to the back, and then you listened to the older stuff. How did you feel about the difference in production and, and how it lived in your mind? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I mean the the new album, I felt like it was more felt a little bit more grounded, like more personal. Okay. okay. To me, um. Yeah. I think it really hit its stride. Like it really started to click for me and with track three, East Side Summer. Woo! Yeah. East Side Summer. Yeah. I, and I yeah. think like once you start like once the album started incorporating like like you said, like the bluesy, the jazzy sounds to the, the yeah. pulsating beat, it really it really like it really started to click with me. Oh no, thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's yeah. There's a, I've got lots of theories on this one. First, I want to oh, say, oh please, please, yeah, you yeah. left nothing for the swim back, but it's to me, Kay. This is the best first song of the year. Like in terms of, mm. um, we always talk about first songs and and how important yeah. they are, and the, the, the it takes a lot of stones to like be just name your album after the first song on the album. <laughs> That's like, that's something, you know, you're basically what you're yeah. saying. The key is right here. You know, it, you better pay yeah. attention. Track one, the key is right here. Um, and, and that's beautiful. It really, it, 
that first song feels like a few songs. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was it, it was a lot. Like it's it was kind of like I can't say declaration of war, but it was one of those things where I, I realized I have to stick the landing. It's been six yep. years, and there's a lot of things I have to talk about. There's a lot of things in regards to rap I wanted to address. A lot of things in regards to society, and like, you know, you know, rap titles are weird because sometimes you had a title before you had a song. Sometimes you name the title after this, you know, a line. And that one was one of those things that, like, I think I named it after the line, but I, but it was an important concept to me because I'm a big fan of the movie Gattaca. And I realized by the end of the song, anybody who I wanted to piss off, I wanted them to be successfully pissed off. Yes, <laughs> you know yes, what I'm saying? Yes. Anybody I wanted to, you know, it was just it was just one of those things where like when it was time to name the album, I was like, this is it. This is it. Like, you know, there was a lot of personal stuff going on at the time where I was like, this is the last thing people hear from me it has to go this way. Mm. You know. It's yeah, it was it was a lot. It took I was working on that song. Off and on in some form or another for a year. Wow. You know. So what prompted you said there was like a, a six year gap between this and your last album. What prompted you to like come out and create this album? Okay, so so basically like some of the record I started writing after the Gush of Diplomacy uh was I was released because I write without beats a lot of times. I will, you know, I remember hearing Breeze Brewer say he did it. I I go to a coffee shop, sit there in the space, and start putting things together. And at one point, I know that there's something. This this thing needs to be on a song. This thing needs to be a song. So I've been working on the record for a long while. We actually held on to this record um, just to make sure the timer was right for most of 2022. So the record had been done, I think, like six to nine months before it oh, came wow. out. Because, you know, we were talking to, you know, backwards, we were talking to Woods and them about it. And it was just like, it could come out at this time, but it could only come out in this form. We were like, you know, we'll wait till 2023. So that knocked a year off. That's five years back. Mm -hmm. It took two, you know, <clears throat> uh, two of the years was to write and record the record fully, so to speak. And we had COVID. So that knocked a lot off. Oh, yeah. And while I was, and, you know, while I was working on this record, we did a full Tomorrow Kings record that needs to be mixed right now, which is the next step of that. You know, so there was a lot of stuff going on, like I was writing a lot. But the thing that made it six years is that at one point I just had to handle uh, life things a certain way. So I was writing a lot, but I wasn't recording as much. Truth be told, I, I haven't said it yet, I didn't have a home recording uh, situation and I got berated by my homie Mike Weeder at AM Breakups, one of my one of my one of my closest friends. Yeah. And they basically when I was sitting there talking to Woods on the street during during the summer of like the lockdown, um, he was talking to me, telling me I need to get a record together. I was like, you know what I'm working on some they quietly bought um bought a recording a home recording situation and had it melt in my apartment. Wow. So, so Woods is talking to me on the street about needing to do a record so. And they're like 10 feet away ordering that for me. So I still, still got to, you know, wow. take care of them for that. 
you know, that was, you know, that was the summer of 2020. Mm. I was, you know, I was working, you know, working on it since. So like, you know, life things, life things, you know, can get in the way, but like the whole record itself is me explaining what happened between then and now, mm. you know, yeah. so to speak. So the record explains why it took six years, yep. you know, you know, if you go through it. I think well, Eastside Summer might be the only song that isn't about that time period. Because Eastside Summer is about my childhood. Well. Yeah, so just life. And I've been working in quiet other than guest appearances. Well. You, know, you got to be careful when to talk. You got to gotta be mindful when you talk. Sometimes you just, all you're doing is add noise to the, add noise to the room. Oof. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, there's, and I think you are like. Um, first, I want to go into like, you are known for your voice, right? There's a lot of people who are will talk about your delivery, right? And and all yeah. over the place, I've heard people be like, "He's too abrasive," you know. I've heard that kind of <laughs> calamitous response, you know. There are some people who like, you know, relaxed. Caffeine free rap music, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, so but the the voice is enormous, and I think maybe the comparison would be Tom Waits, right? Uh, you know what? I've, I've heard that. I've heard that. Where Tom Waits has this insane voice, and what always struck me about Tom Waits, though, I was like, man, with that voice, you didn't even need to go that hard lyrical. Like, <laughs> gonna just. Kind of done some really emphatic groans, and we would have we would have fucked with it. But mm -hmm. like, uh, so what I think gets slept on a little bit is the depth of your writing, uh, the really the like how do you say like the full conceptualization that you managed to uh, to bring to a song. You know, yeah. Uh, example, okay. I, I don't know if you've got a chance to listen to Gunship Diplomacy, the work. Yeah, I did. There's a song right. called the second song to the end, right? And there's a whole suite about the life of a jacket, right? Like you, this girl, she fucks you. You think she's fucking you because a rapper. She just fuck you for the jacket. You got a good jacket on. And by the end, you're murdered for your jacket. And there's a full arc there that bookends. Yes. Uh, and that to me. That's what's so incredible about Sketch 185. It's not, I mean, there's bars, there's one-liners. You could make shirts of all the things, you know, that are like, oh, um, thank you. Places, but like, as a writer myself, I'm the most struck by like, God, we really fully explored. Them. Um, it's, yeah, it's very literary, like literary, literary style writing uh, in a way. Kind of oh, like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost it's kind of like you know Billy Woods in that same vein, but there's like a little bit more like Billy Woods. He's very like, you know, he's very laid back, like cool. But you, there's an intensity. It's like Dan was saying, like your voice adds an intensity to the story that makes it more vivid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. I mean, like, you know, like I came up with the quote, a lot of respect. You know, a typical cats where you're talking about dudes who were pretty academic in their approach, but were hard-hitting and, like, you know, 
they didn't they didn't give you they didn't give you any breathing room for lack of a better way to put it. Right. But I came up on it came up under my boy Rip Napalm. He goes by skill riff now. Same thing and you know and you know rubber room and and thought for and my boy Gilead Seven and so on and so forth. And like that's where where you know that's kind of like the Chicago I dealt with. So that kind of forms into it where you don't get to be lazy. A wasted word, mm. and everything has to everything has to mean something. And you just keep hitting people, hitting people. You hit you hit people till they suffocate. Just gotta you gotta keep going, because you know especially when you're talking about a lot of us rapping before home recording equipment, the studio time was prevalent. Mm. When you said something, people needed to remember it so they can yeah. say it to their boys later. Yep. And you keep and you keep that you keep that with you. And you know, and like the rappers that we like were like you always you know, like I appreciate this. Like you know, like my style comes from like you have to, you know, people have to get something new every time they hear you. It isn't right. designed to just be music that you're comfortable. It's not designed to be music you should be able to talk about. Right. Like 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 I rap so you have to interrupt the conversation. Like if you could talk over my music, you just heard it a lot, which I appreciate. But it's just not something that you, you're supposed to be able to zone out. Yeah, like, there's a Chicago sense of urgency. Kay, when oh, uh, I told you that I like I was a scribble jam maniac back in the day when when Rhyme Fest was in scribble jam, he would win a battle on one bar. Mm -hmm. He would like his train of thought would start going. And once he got to that one bar, he's like, you'll never come back. Do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Done. And like very Chicago, like, yeah, immediacy. You want to hear what? something funny? Go for it. That's how I beat Ron Fest in the battle. What a life. Uh, what a life you live. I, I was, I mean, like, it, it wasn't a great battle. I was nervous, but I kind of went in on him. It was at uh, Vakil's uh, release party for, for the Darkest Cloud. Jeez. It was, um, you know, at Fireside Bowl. Mac, Mac Lethal was in town for another thing, and he ended up doing that show, too. Yep. So Mac Lethal was in the crowd. As Ron Fest did is, this is like Ron Fest, um, when he was still performing parts of his verse from Jesus Walks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, yep. time, first, first time any of us heard it, it's over a thousand of us. He said he had a song called, he had a song with Kanye West called Jesus Walks. Yeah, 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 and he performed the first verse of Jesus Walks. You know, it was around that same time. You know, you know the line where he goes, "Somebody, somebody, tell these niggas who Rhymefest is." I walk in the valley with a shadow of death. Is. You know what I'm saying? And with that, that same time, like he just was performing because he just was getting back into it from Indiana. He opened uh, for Vaughn Kill and asked somebody to come on stage to battle. Well, boys pushed me on stage. I'm nervous because he's a legend. I forget what, what line it was, but I just hit him with something. Hit him with a couple things, yeah. and it threw him off so much that this young dude had something that it fucked up his train of thought, and he just kind of gave me a half hug and told people to make noise for me. He acted like a complete dick. He acted like a complete dick to me every time I seen him out there. Sure, but but Mac Lethal saw it, and soon as. Um, he saw Kevin Beecham, or we were in the same place. He told Kevin Beecham about it. 
It's like, yo, this guy needs to be a scribble jam. Which which I was a scribble jam three times. Oh, uh, if you remember that. Yeah, that's awesome. No, that was I was the, Chica I was the Chicago uh the Chicago regional champ twice. And the second time, first the second time, I was in scribble jam's first three way three way battle with Deuce Leader and Reef the Lost Cause. Woo! Reef? Oh that Yeah, the year the year no can do um you're no can do one, right? Right, right. I, yeah, was it that year? No, it was, no, 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 no. It was uh, it wasn't that year, it was the year before no can do one. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, the, the literary style of your writing is yes, is really incredible. And on this one, there's some like there's some songs that are organized. In, in ways that I'm still floored by, nights and weekends comes to mind. Yeah. Okay. The the interludes by the people. Shout out to Lieutenant Headtrip on that was yeah unbelievable. Um, but the vignettes where bartenders are talking about bartending and then the verses about it and the way it cuts together and the way the there's like background noise that's in the song. Yeah. Uh, that it's just. It's a movie unto itself. It's a short film. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's what, what, like that was. I mean, like bartending. Like I've been in the service industry for almost fourteen years. So it's one of those things because, like, it's it's the closest to legal drug dealing you can do at the time. Huh. It helped me pay for helped help yep. me pay my part for a lot of the music. Like, help me pay my part for the Tomorrow King stuff. Uh, um, the war church things, so on and so forth. But with that, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a troublesome life for those who don't live it with you, right? You know, and I've been thinking about writing a song for a long time. Uh, Primrock, who's on the song with me, we used to work together. Right. Yeah. Uh, when I first moved to New York, um, a little, like a year and a half afterwards, we were chilling at his bar. And I was working at this uh, farm to table restaurant and a few other things. And he actually reached out, and his boss was there, and she hired me. I ended up working with him at his sister bar to his spot for almost a year. So occasionally, me and him would work together, which is which was crazy. So I knew he had a story. Funny enough, Sway was a was a regular at the bar. He would come in to get food. Only time I've ever been starstruck. And yeah. Lieutenant Headtrip, Lieutenant Headtrip, you know. We um we both lived in Astoria at the same time. And, you know, I recorded a lot with him. I recorded a, a lot of a previous album at his house. And he worked at the bar four blocks down. And there are times in which we both kind of commiserated about how much, um, you know, the, you know, working at a bar kind of soured our relationships. And, you know, I've just been needing to write, write that song. And honestly, I couldn't think of two better people to be involved in it. And that was yeah. a song that was written. It took me, like, there were versions of the song written over, like, two, three years. Like, I knew, like, before I had a beat for it, I told Jeff there was a song I was working on called Nights and Weekends. Yep. About losing my life to nights and weekends. <laughs> and when he, played, when he played the beat, I just started... Kind of going through, and I was like, "That's the, that's the, that's the beat, yeah, that's, that's the awesome. beat right there." And I started editing it, and you know, 
started arranging it. And, you know, like me and Jeff went back and forth a lot on these tracks, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, excuse me. Like, yeah, that, that song is arranged a lot the way it is just because, like, I edit a lot. Most songs I do have four or five different edits to them. Mm. So, you know, I'll go through the whole song, edit for flow, edit for content, research, uh, edit to make sure I don't sound like my friends. So if there's mm. a bar that sounds like I be focused, I re-edit it. If there's a bar that sounds like Lucid, I re-edit it, for examples, and move things around. And once I get it to there, I go, okay, cool. Is this, have I, you know, and also write, so I'm never going to write about the subject again. Yeah. You know, I just move on to the next subject. You know, so there will, hopefully won't be a night to weekends part two. Or if it is, then it come from a different side of it. Yeah. So I just, I like, I'll say all that to say, like, the reason why it was so layered in that way is that I wanted to say everything that I needed to say about that subject so I could just exercise it from my uh, thought process. Yep. Mm. So, no, that makes any sense. That, that makes no, that sense. does. That makes sense. And this is a safe place for overthinking any topic or idea <laughs> because I am here for that. I, I have K. Uh, a long time ago, me and the rapper were talking about Woods and the, the Run Woods yeah. song, right? And that rapper brought Sketch 185 into the mix in a really interesting way and said, mm. Sketch is the opposite side of the force, like a Star Wars force situation. Okay, okay. From Woods. And that just kind of lives in my head. And I'm, I've put together a theory on it, right? That, like, All right. Woods. The magic of Woods is that he tricks you into thinking that what he's talking about is easy to understand and normal, right? His tone of voice mm. and the way he delivers it is so conversational. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is how the Russian Empire crumbled in the 80s. And you're like, what? Like, um, <laughs> he, he, made, mm -hmm. he doesn't, he degravitases his situation. Um, and were you. Are from the ambush school of it. Yeah. yeah. You are like hurling as much as possible at people and your voices is a part yeah. of that. Uh and, and your beat choices uh are a part of that. But you are so it, it is it is kind of the opposite sides of the force, but it's still very literary. Uh and it's still oh, I get that. story well. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I'm you know, I need to dig in it more, but you know. There were times in which, you know, I would um, get told about and read surrealist, surrealist poetry and surrealist writing. Yep. You know, and, and like, The Invisible Man was a big influence, too, where just the idea of, like, you know, I like the idea of, like, it almost seem, seeming like, well, everything has a meaning to it. Every word has a meaning to it. If I mention a color, there are multiple meanings to it. Oh, that's and you know, not not you know, like so, like there's no moment in which I said it just to be said. But when you look at it and you go line for line, you will start picking out metaphors over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I just like the idea of like each line, like kind of existing in its own world a certain way, and mm -hmm. like sometimes being very elaborate. You know, I, I I love that. I love that, and maybe that's something I got from Aesop and you know some other homies. Yeah, well, let me not say I haven't met Aesop, but some Aesop and other homes I looked up to. Right. Yeah. You know that, that, this, this, there's just something, and I and I love that because I like that. It, it's, 
makes it deceptively simple. And I go, no, here, here goes a Bible passage about, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, about isolation, something like that. You know, I don't know, like the way I write is like I write until the until the verse says you've done enough. That's awesome. That's a great, great point. You know, sometimes it's simple. Sometimes, you know, because uh, uh, my boy ATV said something to me about one of the songs on our first record where he was like, yo, it might sound weird, but sometimes you got to know when to shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in which case, like, you know, that, you know, you know, I will look at something and go, it's time for me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, mm. you know, and if y'all, did y'all ever listen to Twister? Yep, yep. Or at least Adrenaline Rush. Oh, yeah. A song oh, yeah. called Overdose where he keeps going and his boy stops him and goes, I right, now, I right, now. Niggas that felt you already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's talking to himself <laughs> about stopping rapping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And no, you it, know, like, that's, you know, that's my, that's not what I bring to the voice. Hey, I always think about yeah. it in terms of comic book writers. Like, comic book writers, like, it, when they're early on, they're writing a ton within the page. Uh, and it gets to the point where you can't even see what's happening in the picture. So many words. Yeah. Like, over the course of their career, they'll get better at being more concise and like yeah. what you need and letting the picture breathe and letting the characters express it physically. Uh, and and that that's just a different level of kind of Ed Brubaker style writing. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, that kind of ties into my, my question. Like, where did you learn how to organize? Because I, I would say as a rapper, like you are very, you're very organized, which really helps accent your message so where did you learn your organization skills in terms of rapping and putting projects together what you mean you mean in terms of like the way the the words a sequence or the songs a sequence or both i would say both i would say if you want to tell okay, okay, okay. okay i mean like um let's see in terms of in terms of um it's funny out of all the rap songs that had a heavy influence on me one of the ones that changed everything was Aesop Rock song with uh, the Opus called "Take Me to the Basement." Oh wow, that's dope. Where he, you know he goes through he goes through his whole verse. When he goes through the beginning of his verse, out of nowhere he goes, "She applied the lipstick slow, slow enough for me to bask it, fast enough for me to wish it last to pass my alarm cackling." And something about that, he was just just going on a run of metaphors. Then he switches to the image of his girlfriend getting ready for work. That's how I interpreted it. And in which case, like, it gave the concept of a cutscene. And that was the first time I thought about, you know, a rap versus cutscenes. You know, where you can, where you can sequence things, you can sequence things to not only just be dope, but to manipulate the emotions of which a person has. Listening to the record. You know, which is an important thing. You know, like, you know, like, a, a, a good bar isn't a good bar everywhere. Just because right. it's a dope bar doesn't mean it, it begins the verse. And it doesn't mean that it can end the verse. Like a lot of times when I write, I like because I used to do graffiti, I got my I got my um Korean illustration. Uh my cousin, uh Bill Smurz, um and his and his boy uh time DS crew told me early on, keep every draw. Mm. Napkins, backup, mail, keep it all, store it, file it all an idea. And for a very long time, I did that with my rhymes. 
any napkin have a roll something on, I put it in the notebook, so on and so forth. And sometimes it's because you will have an idea for a line and you know that that line is supposed to be in the middle of the verse. You know it can't be the first line. There are times in which I noted, like, I need 10 to 12 lines, 10 to 12 bars just to get to this one thought. If I put it too too early in the rhyme, it breaks apart. It doesn't make sense. If I put it too late, now it's just me trying to be deep for the sake of being deep. And you get things like that. So mm. that's kind of how I figured out the writing of it. Where it's like you go, okay, this this is when this needs to happen. Like, because I do believe verses have sections to them. Not just always a beginning, middle, and end, but not just beginning, middle, and end. You know, they have they have sections of moments in them. It switches. Right. And I get that from listening to Jay-Z and his flow, like especially older stuff, where mm -hmm. he will go through a run that would do an eternal rhyme scheme for one bar. And they will only rhyme for that one bar, and he'll go on to another section. Or go back and do that while I completely thought. But in terms of putting together the records, it's a mix between like say growing up listening to LP and growing up realizing that a lot of bands put together better, more properly arranged records. Mm. But you know they're like, you know, this song has to be in the middle of the record. We used to be real critical of track six on the album. Because it's yeah. almost the halfway point. Yep. Or track six is important because people have gotten enough of your thoughts to decide, pretty much to decide the, the, how they feel about the album. Right. You know, six six tracks in, especially if you're talking to 12 track, 18 track record, they know six tracks in whether they think it's a dope album. And even if and even if it's not, even if you have 10 tracks and other four are bad, I'm gonna say it's good. Because six out of six out of ten is pretty good. You know yep. what I'm saying? And like so, so I would figure out. I would lay the songs out and go, this is how I want you to feel in the beginning of the album. This is how I want you to feel at the end of the album. And from there, it's building the emotions leading to it. Like, I knew that, um, you know, there was a point in which I knew that after I wrote the Western Automatic Music verse, the second verse, well, that song is something else because that actually has a whole story about how that happened. But more or less, I knew that I needed certain songs to exist in a certain order, if I didn't do it in a certain order, that verse wouldn't make sense. Yep. I couldn't I couldn't put that song anywhere else on the record. Because if I did, you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't learn have learned enough about me for the last bar to make sense. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wow. No, we we talked to Illogic a little bit ago, and Illogic yeah. said the the first song on his last album, he had it for 10 years and he sat with it because he wasn't living the way he was speaking in the song yet. And once mm. he put it out. And yeah, I was, understand where it was coming from. Damn. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Responsibility to yourself to kind of put the work out that represents where you are. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, that, so uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I have my theory, Kay, about this album. Uh, so, it, you know, I, it's it's such a cool album. And, and I'm so glad it's on Backwoods because I think yeah. Backwoods, the, thing, the reason why it's great that it's on Backwoods is Backwoods actually has the audience that wants to pick apart the levels of your meaning. 
All right, all right, yes, yes. That makes sense. Like people, yeah, absolutely. people who love Woods, people who love the Akai solo, people who love the you know all the stuff that came out. They're gonna love digging into this for the next you know eight months, ten months, a year, because yeah. that's how they they study this stuff. Um, and that's not something that you can expect from every audience. Um, yeah, but absolutely. For me, like the first album that that I remember, you know, that he left nothing for the swim back to me has two sides. Two sides. The okay. first, the first okay. album that I remember knowing that it had two sides was Ice Cube's Death Certificate. Okay. Uh, right. That has a life side and a death side, and he dies at the end of the life side, and it starts the death side. It's very declared. There's two sides. This isn't like that, but the second you say I would have been a server at Idlewild, that feels like a second side of the album. Um, Actually, you know it's funny. Theory. Thank you for saying this. Like we had to divide the record for vinyl. Yep. Because of that, it is two sides. So, if I'm not mistaken, that you 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 are absolutely right. Awesome. Like I believe that's when I believe that's when side B starts. The river, yeah, the river. Yeah. It, because that side one is the ambush side. That is when you like. So to to get more specific about it, the first two songs, uh, the title track. Badly Drawn Hero, that is your thesis paragraph, right, of your essay? Yes, absolutely. Let me tell you of what is actually going on. You're very good at being omniscient, right? Like, it just just mm. kind of... Um, the second to Eastside Summer, Kay brought that up. Eastside Summer is where you get transported into what he's talking about. Yeah. You yeah. are on the block. He moves you on the block. I'm no longer explaining it you're here, right? Mm, absolutely. And and so that's when three and four are like that. So you start living that on J Street and all that stuff. Um, yeah. When I, my first listen to this album, I was just like J Street, fuck. Uh, you know, just kept sit. So uh, yeah, those two, and this. Then you get to the river, and from the second he says, "I would have been a server at Idlewild," and breaks down serving racist people. You can think, I I'm calling that side like. Uh, PTSD hangover. Like that is the where you start to feel the weight of what had happened on side A and the problems that were articulated. You start feeling the weight and the pain and how the pain shapes the music and how the music shapes America and how America feeds the pain that shapes the music. I mean, here's the thing about Idlewild. Are you familiar with the place Idlewild? I'm not as familiar as I should be. Oh, oh vacation place. It was black owned or black run. I mean, black Is that owned. The, black with the Outcast movie. That's what they named it after. If I'm not okay. And in which case, when I would have been a server at Idlewild, it was me being a lower class black guy serving rich black people. Yep. Making so it wasn't even I was necessarily serving racists per se. I was serving like people who believed they were better than me. Yep. Because because if I was better, I wouldn't be a server. Which is why, you know, one of one of the things that a historian said, which I was stuck with me, is that in the South, businessmen were the first the first ones lynched. Because mm. they wanted they wanted to disrupt the community. Mm. 
Right. You know, and and you know, you no matter how rich you were, you had a green book. So no matter how rich you were in your town, in your city, you that meant nothing when you traveled through the country. Right. So you were so you were just exactly who I was till you got to this place and you continued and you now took your turn to shit on me. <laughs> like like you like now now you have to now you have the chance to feel the way at least think you feel the way the people shit on you felt looking at me. And yeah. you know like I, you know I didn't know neither of my parents neither of my parents have degrees. My father's a janitor. My mom works at a glass factory now. A lot of my family's just blue collar. You know, I have a degree and a few others. But we never, you know, I didn't come from an academic family, so to speak. Like, I didn't come from an upper middle class, barely middle class family. Realistically. So, you know, I always thought about it. Like, if I was ever in one of those situations. Right. What if, you know, I wouldn't have been the one eating. You know, mm -hmm. I'd have been the one wearing the vest, you know, having to quietly listen to them talk about how they stopped being me <laughs> at one point. Yeah. It, it's just the booming voice that kind of led you through the world is now saying, I'm never going to be above anybody. Like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. For me. And like, that's not the typical like path of an MC. And that really sets the stage for nights and weekends. Um, yeah. And, and that's, yes. I love that. I love the transition of this album. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I, really, I mean, I appreciate that because, like, that was, you know, that was a part of the record in which, you know, we felt need, needed to be dark. There were actually two songs that didn't make this cut of the record that are going to come out on a different version. Soon. Ooh, deluxe. And, yeah, yeah. And because I remember having a conversation with Woods about taking them off. And he was just like, this sequence it's dope, but it's an EP on its own. Right. And it kind of pulls you out of the situation, you know, where I wanted that, well, we, we agree we wanted that level of somberness. Yep. It, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, like, The River and Nights and Weekends kind of, like, does a good job of um dealing with the six-year the, the six gap of life that wasn't music. Well, the parts in the six years that wasn't music. And you know, nights, nights, and weekends. Like, ooh, I be—I didn't mention this, but I rewrote that a few times. And after I stopped talking to a lady, who's the lady I was talking to before, the girlfriend I have now, I stopped and I rewrote the end of it to mention her. And what happened at the bar in the song hadn't happened at the hadn't happened at that time. It did happen to me not too long. Wow! The entire scene played out. My, uh, almost completely played out at my bar. Amazing. I didn't think it would, I was wondering whether it would, but then, like, you know, I don't want to timestamp this too much, but not too long ago. Not too long ago. Had the, had the conversation, pretending like we didn't know each other. Served her and her date. Mm-hmm. They left, and I took. I had to take a moment to myself. Wow. Yeah. 
What did yeah. that moment feel like? Well, like when when real life reflected. So real life reflected art. Usually, it's art reflects real life. What did it feel like when real life reflected your art? I I didn't realize. I didn't really process it until right now. <laughs> like right now, I just I just thought about. It. I was like, yeah, that did happen. Cause I, cause I wrote it. I wrote it based on her, her previous behavior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is probably gonna happen. And me and my coworkers, because I worked at a at a, a fairly popular bar, and um, bar in Queens that's written about quite a bit as one of the best bars in New York. In which case, mm -hmm. a lot of us worked there a lot, and uh, you know. A lot of our lives end up being involved in that. So romantically, a chunk of your life is involved in that. You know what I'm saying? Because like you know, mo a lot of people meet their partners on the work at the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. It's no different for bartenders either, especially when you're working five, six days a week. So I mixed the fact that I was like, she's not going to stop coming here. Might stop coming here the days I work. She's not going to stop coming here because I've seen people. Um, fight over custody of the bars that they get to keep going to their relationships in. Yeah. I've watched it happen at the bar working. But there go my ex was here and he knows it's my bar. You know, so I took the fact that, you know, I took the fact that I knew that um, she was going to keep coming to my, my job on dates. Yep. The fact that we've all dealt with some version of that and put it mm -hmm. in the song. But it was right now that I thought about it and went, oh, everything I said played out almost exactly the way where I mentioned it. Yeah, okay, you can't help that shit. Like, you, as a writer, sometimes you're writing yourself into the future. You're thinking yeah. about how shit can happen. And then when you're right, it, it does feel fucked up, uh, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't necessarily feel great. <laughs> it's not... Oh. It's a... Feel like I because can't, it's a it's you don't have power you just you just stumbled into it. it's wild it's wild I mean I just walked myself into an argument by even right. saying this in this in the, you know right then yep. you know what I'm saying because that's you know because that's something you know that I internalize and can't really talk to everybody about right. you know what I'm saying also the record came out you know three days two days ago yeah yeah you know what I'm saying so like. You know, like if if the lady who was mentioned in it hears the record, she'll know it's her. That's awesome. But she'll also know there's no way in hell that I could have recorded it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> in the time That's that great. it took uh, for it to happen. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Uh -oh. So yeah. So you know, it's a it's a it's a tricky one. It was interesting yeah. to hear. So you, you were right about the the A side B side. That's awesome. You you were you were talking about Woods and talking about like talking to Woods about the theme of this record and how it needed to be. And I was thinking of like that makes sense because his verse on the last track is a it's in eulogy voice. Yeah, like it's very like you know delivering at the funeral, but B. It's really good disappointed in you, Woods. Like Woods is great at being disappointed yeah. in in different people. Uh whether it's Nas or people who look like Stringer Bell and 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good at at like clowning through disappointment, uh, and in this somber way that really does help define that PTSD hangover side, where you just have these fragments stuck in you of shit that sucks. You know. Yeah. Yeah. De- no, definitely. Um, like it's it's funny. Like so, Western automatic um, music. The reason why it was part one and part two because it was the exact same song. Yep. So the beat of part two, you know, just in relation to Woods, because it, it'll make sense. Beat to part two was actually the original beat. So I so my first verse was over that beat. Right. And Woods came in with that verse. With that. And I was just like, and I, I say thank you to him. Because like I knew that Western Automatic Music was probably gonna be the last song. Right. But when I heard it. Heard his verse, I was like, at the time when I was waiting on this verse to come back, I was like, man, I need to write a second verse for this beat. I need to write a second verse for this beat. And then I wrote um, my two and a half minute long second verse. And I heard Wood's verse for it because I thought I was just going to do an extended uh, deluxe version. I heard Wood's verse for it and I was like, that's great, but that not be the last verse people hear on the album. It's a great verse, but it can't be the last verse. Right. So talking to Woods about it, he was like, yeah, you should probably do a part one and put it out first and put it out part two later. I was like, you know what? I recorded mine, put his verse first, put my verse last. I told Colossal Structure about it. From uh, Gyroscope and Tomorrow Yep, yep. I was like, yeah, me and Woods about to do a song. Uh, for the record, he was like, nigga, I'm doing the chorus. <laughs> he, hadn't heard, he hadn't heard the, the beat yet. I said to him, like, yeah, I can, I'll do the chorus of this. So we basically did the song, which ended up being like a six-minute song. It was like, the song's too long. This is the this is the beauty and genius of Jeff Martin. Yep. He sliced it in half and made a completely new beat for part wow. one. And because he he listened to when I said the kids really love the ice kids still love the ice cream song, yep, yep. And he took the sample and decided to flip it to sound like an ice cream truck. But he didn't realize the the line was referencing the song. I, I played it for him later. He didn't realize I was referencing the song "Nigga Nigga Eating Watermelon," niggas eating oh. watermelon, which is the song that most ice cream trucks play to this day. Oh, so, so no matter what neighborhood you go in. If you're in a black neighborhood and you see black kids running to the ice cream truck, as it does happen, they're all running to the ice cream truck to the tune of niggas eating watermelon. Wow. Fucking <laughs> America. What are you going to do? That's yeah. Crazy. And we split it in half. And because of that, Woods, because Woods came in, he actually didn't come in where I wanted to do. He came in like four bars, like two to four bars later. Yeah. And we was and I was just sitting there like the fuck. But then when we split it a half, then when we split it a half, people were like, what are we gonna do with the beginning of it? I went, leave it like that. So Woods accidentally, incidentally made his own intro. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I haven't even talked crazy. to him about that yet. That's, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, yeah he, that was, I think it's a it's a great closer. Um, because yeah, it is just the total opposite energy of the beginning. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 
it was the any okay any other guest verses that stuck out to you or guest appearances where you were like ooh um let me pull it up i mean i, I thought the the east side chicago east i side thought yeah, i'm sorry east yeah. side east side summer uh, um yeah i mean i thought tracks 3 and 4 like the i mean the guest verses on those on those on those two songs were just it really those were kind of like the highlight of the album for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, word. Um, yeah, I mean, just... Okay, that's what's up. That's dope. So I'll go, I'll just, I'll read it out. So I Be Folks, Colossal uh, Soul Structure, yeah. and Solar 5. So if I remember correctly, like, there's like a... Like, I, I really like... I asked you about the organization because I really liked how Eastside Summer was organized. Okay, you know, yeah. Like, how that was... How that song was mapped out. Um, and particularly like how Solar, because I'm guessing Solar Solar Five was the last verse, was the last oh, no, verse. Oh uh, uh, no, Solar Five is the guy who talks in yeah, between okay. um, tracks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he's from the southeast side of Chicago. And I was like, I could do a course, but fuck that. Nobody, every like people will mention East Side, people will mention Terratown, people will mention. Old Block, which is, is kind of southeast, but it's not that far east. Mm -hmm. People mention like shit like that. But I can't think of a single song about that neighborhood or about that part of the city. But I was like, mm -hmm. so if this is the first time we're gonna really talk about that side of the city without it just being like, you know, platitude and like shit to make it sound hardcore. Right, let me right, have right. a guy break, let me have him break out. Things that only make sense you could go over if you grew up over there, or See, hung out, yeah. out over there. And in which case, it's beautiful to me because I am so happy nobody knows what the fuck we're talking about and not from there. Now you have to do your googles, and I, and like <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So all of a sudden you start hearing these these blocks. And these are just places that don't get talked about. Hell, when, when Google Maps came out and Google Street came out. There was a point at which people like, oh, Google's mapped out every street in Chicago. I was like, no, they haven't. Yeah. It's like, they're like, yes, they have. What are you talking <laughs> about? I was like, no, they haven't. I promise you they're too scared to go to uh, go to the east side. They're like, fine. I was like, cool. Type in my, my address. 7420, type in the address of when I first when I first moved back to Chicago as a kid. Type in my address, 7423 South Kingston. Which is the um, the three three story building that I grew up in, Eastside Summers about. They typed it in, looked for it, not a single fucking uh, Google Street option. That block, wow. I could draw that block from memory. Not a single uh, Google Street option. That's how dangerous it is, and that's how crazy that is. So I had Solar Five talk because that gives everybody an introduction. See the organization. That's why yeah. we always. Yeah, we were always joking, like, this is probably one of the most Chicago songs ever. So is, do, you, do you have all but two Tomorrow Kings on this album? Or or is this, how many, how many did you Let's have? see. Seven? I'm, seven? I'm, I'm, miss, I'm missing, I'm missing three. Missing three. Uh, funny enough, Still Rift is calling me right now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, he's... he's uh, yeah, Still Riff was calling me and, and Dev Markey just gave me a message. Yeah, shout out to Still Riff. That's that's my big brother right there. But Still um Riff, let's Still see. Love 
Lamon is no longer in the crew, but he's still one of our best friends. But the crew, you know, but the only people that were missing who are on this, but are on me and Jeff's follow-up, which we're working on now, were Gilead Seven, Malak Hill, and Bill Sublima, who also goes by Wizard Jenkins the Great at 30-something. Like, just those three are the only, only ones that are missing. So Colossal Structure, I'd be focused on there. Lamont, who used to be in the crews on there. You know, no, I, I, Lamont, you know I try to get somebody from the crew on everything. Yeah, no. The, there's something special about you and your relationship with Lamont on records. That, that chemistry. Yes. I love when you and Lamont are together. Lamont Manuel is one of the most interesting people. Has one of the great, like, breakup albums his his insane 2016. Oh, I, oh absolutely. Beautiful. Crazy. Absolutely. Uh, and there are yeah. tracks that didn't make the album that were incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No. Me and Lamont, like, cause like Yeah. So so here's the thing about me and Lamont. Because you know like like how ghosts are red and meth are and shit like that, where the more you hang out with each other, more certain things unspokenly kind of tie together. Yep. So one of the things that brought a lot of us and Tomorrow Kings together is that we're almost all Southsiders. And pretty much all Southsiders or lived on the South Side for the most part. And a lot of us don't drive. So we took a lot of public transportation everywhere. And a lot of what we had shows and shit we went to on the North Side. So at the end of the night, a lot of times we were running to each other from our various events on the way home. Me and Lamont used to run into each other on the late night bus two to three times a week for a while, probably a year or two on the way home before Tomorrow Kings formed. And from there, me and him just kept hanging out even when Tomorrow Kings formed. So there was a lot of exchange of thoughts and things like that over time. So there are just certain so there's just a certain chemistry we developed. And we used to perform in Chicago under the group name Frank McIntyre. My last name is McIntyre and his middle name is Francois. So we thought it was cool to go by Frank McIntyre. So we would do myth, like mashups of our songs and songs we were working on together as a group, you know. So we just kind of learned how to gel a certain way. And and with that, like, you know, it comes through on songs. Like on yeah. Special Diplomacy, just for a brief moment, Downcap, uh, the song with him and Colossal Structure, a lot of it at one point I built around something that he said, even though it's my song. Right. And like I built I built the chorus like thing around that. And it's just because we've worked together so much that I realized that there are certain things that he, he does that I just don't do or don't know how to do because my brain doesn't work. Mm -hmm. vice versa so when we work together I will lean into letting him do the things that 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 aren't a part of that aren't in my toolbox yeah you know you're covering so, maximum so space and that's why J Street kind of stands out to me because yeah. so singular right in terms of delivery and where where his brain goes and Lamont very much the same way and having having all that together is great. Yeah. And the weird part is a lot of us and a lot of people from Chicago, 
quite a few people from Chicago get their style from Rip, even if they don't know it. Rip is five years older than me. He's the same age as Open Mike Eagle. Him, him and Lamont, and him, Lamont, and Open Mike Eagle went to the same high school, kind of at the same time, but they're just slightly older. Yep. Like Rip and his Rip is cool acrobats, particularly him, uh, uh, his cat Pugs Adams, and his new Chip Spinium came up with a rap style that basically became the thing that kids, younger heads, modeled their freestyle and writing technique after. Wow. So when I was coming up, the guys around me were imitating Rift. And there's a point in which Quell had his rap style, but started fucking around, hanging around Rift, and he took on some of Rift style. So there's a certain section of Quell's career and a certain part of his aesthetic he gets from Rift. Right. Just Rift is is underappreciated is as underappreciated as he probably is underreported, even though he has a bunch of stuff wow. uh, that has come out and stuff on the way. So the weird part is, it's kind of in certain respects watching us do parts of still Rift style on a song with him while doing our own shit. You know, there's a lot more to, to my style than just that. But I just want to say that just to get that in the world because that is definitely a part of it. So it was cool watching him kick the song off. I appreciate that. I appreciate that clarification. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was going to ask you, um, what did you have any standout lines that that struck you listening to it? Uh, he left nothing for the swim back. Do you have anything that that uh, sticks with you? I mean, no lines in particularly, but I thought nights and weekends. I thought I thought the spoken word parts were very. We're very Ooh. powerful. Not not only on nights and weekends, but through the whole through the whole album. Like I thought Okay. It, it kinda it, it kinda ties back what you said. There's not being any ways. Cause a lot of times when people put like spoken word or they put like excerpts in the album, it's for like an aesthetic feel type of thing. Yeah. But I felt like they, they were really app applicable applicable. Sorry. Applicable to the message whenever you when you whenever you did it it wasn't just for aesthetic sake it was because it was applicable to the message you were trying to deliver in the song right absolutely absolutely like you you know you just you can't put it oh sorry about that i just got a, another reminder about this interview in my phone <laughs> <laughs> yep no uh, no but yeah but um but yeah, like yeah, it's just I didn't like you, you don't you can't waste time. So right. so so that's so I appreciate that. You know, sure. that means that actually it, it did what it was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, they, there's a few for me, Kay, of like um up to speed. I posted this earlier today. Uh those headlines had birthdays before they became your entertainment. Um uh, yeah. hell of a line. It, it's 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 more powerful within context, right? Because you start yeah. versus like Chicago violence, bring that shit to me. Like, and and you know, you start engaging in the verse with this kind of oh my gosh reaction to Chicago violence. Um, and that line is just really powerful in that song. Um I was actually that was actually a jab to a few people I've I've dealt with in New York. 
where when they don't have anything to talk about, they try to talk to me about um, Chicago violence. Yep. <laughs> but they also try to talk to me sometimes, like, because of the way I speak, because of the way I work. Like, I didn't grow up with it. Yeah. Like, for some reason, some reason, I live in a neighborhood that the motherfuckers have never been to Chicago, the ones who do this. Right. So it's always funny. Like, and, you know, there's a Chicago gang that's prevalent out in New York right now. You know, that's a that's a different story to tell. But I, I said, you know, I, I put that line in there just for people to kind of shut the fuck up. Because, like, when you're talking to me about this, like, I might know these people. My cousins weren't, don't fuck with Chief Keith, for example. Right. So, like, sometimes I see shit on the news and the motherfucker on the news I'm related to. Right. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I watched the family, I watched the friend's family live out some shit on the news to protect the, to protect the, the legacy of their friend. I mean, their family member. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit's real. So, yeah. but that's why I put that line there, and I, I'm happy you love it. And, you know, and that's why I put I put Shook One's line afterwards. Yeah. No, there's you no. Know, you know, when a slug penetrates, you feel a burning sensation. Yeah. When a call, when a call penetrates, you feel a sinking sensation. Yeah. Yeah, because like it's you know I, like I'm 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 happy that I'm happy that um that hit. There's a lot like, of it came from me trying to figure out. It came from me trying to figure out how to rhyme. Uh, I agree, all Chicago crime questions with Dusabo information because <laughs> John Baptiste Point Dusabo is the founder of Chicago, Haitian guy. Yep. Chicago was found. The first non-native resident of Chicago was a black man. So whenever people come at me with shit like that, I just sent, I give them facts about like black inventors and shit like that in Chicago, just to fuck with them. Yep. That's you know, yeah, there's another line. I forget if it was an East Side Summer, but it was like, you know, my uncle passed away because that's what uncles did back then. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, no, no, no. He, no, he's still alive. He's still alive, about to open a restaurant. He just got shot. <laughs> oh, yeah, he got shot. shot right. Sorry, sorry. No, they shot the shit out of him. But this, but this was like, you know, like 28 years ago now. But yeah. Malco got shot because that's what happened to uncles back then. He was from the other. He was on the on the wrong side of the tracks, literally. Uh, Black Peastone Rangers, right on that side of the that side of the city, and the gangster disciples. Uh, their territories are divided, separated by train tracks. Mm -hmm. And because he, you know, I won't go too deep into it, but motherfuckers know who he, motherfuckers knew who he was. Yeah, yep. he knew. That he wasn't supposed to be hanging around there, and he um, and he was just chilling with his best friend in the car. Somebody recognized him, rolled up to the side of the car, lit it up. He right. survived. He's had mad kids since then. He has a restaurant on the way. You know, I hope he's doing all right right now. And all of that happened three blocks away from my apartment. Wow. So I used to have to walk past where my uncle got shot to, to go to go to school every day. But when I was in class that year, kids were all talking because this is summer '95, which I believe is the summer either '94, '95, which were the most was the most violent summer in Chicago history. Mm -hmm. It was like 937 confirmed murders. 
That's not counting people disfigured by gun, gun violence. Right, 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 right. And that's not counting the hundreds who died from each stroke. But yeah, yeah, it was just a lot of violence in the city. And I'm sitting in class and I'm hearing my classmates talk about their father gets shot, their uncle's getting shot, their cousin's getting shot, their brother's getting shot. I'm not saying this, but I'm realizing that's just what we were dealing with at right. 10 years old. My uncle got shot because that's what happened to all these it's it's a you beautiful know, description it, it, because it it sets the stage for like you know I know it's amazing to you but it's just how life like it's this is just what it is like I yeah, remember yeah. somebody asked Daz Dillinger why he became a crip and Daz said my mom's a crip my dad's a crip like my uh, my relatives it, this, yeah. is, this is the neighborhood like and. There's no context. Without context, you can't. You're just making shit up, you know. Uh, so. Oh, abso absolutely. Yep. Oh, absolutely. There's a guy I worked with who was from Crown Heights, and he rode and he tried to stand over me like I'm a some 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 DD. I just laughed and just went, "Dog, I grew up with this shit. You're from New York. Why? Why do you volunteer for this shit? I knew motherfuckers who got who." Got blessed in just because they family with GDs, right? Blackstones or Vice Lords, you know, might not have had to get jumped in, but they were immediately that had to be given the literature, memorize all the shit, so on and so forth. And I grew up where if you weren't from that neighborhood, it was assumed you were a rival gang. People would see you at a party, have a conversation with you like everything's cool, and figure and figure out what block you're from, and if they weren't worried about heat coming back to them from essentially fucking with somebody from that block, they're gonna box they're gonna box with you or try to shoot you. Right. Or not even want to kill you but shoot at you. You know what I'm saying? Like like that's that's and I was like, why do you want to be involved in you know, why do you want to be involved in this? Right. You know, and you know, like that's you know, you know, it's a weird thing. But I had but I put all that into that one line, you know, try to no, it's you. You did. It is infused, and and there's a lot of it. It's not just the literary like understanding of the song. It's real emotions, real feelings, uh, real heart and impact, commitment. Wait, Kay, you remember we talked about how art is embarrassing. Yes, art is embarrassing. Uh, and like because doing art is embarrassing, very few people really give of themselves, right? Like, yeah. share a little sliver of something that might be real, but who knows, right? And because it's embarrassing to really kind of gut yourself, and you, Sketch, you've continually used expert craft to gut yourself, mm -hmm. uh, to really ground <laughs> Yes, thank you. And that's, I mean, that's just... That's the the ambush nature of what you do is like, um, it feels like a dirty dozen suicide mission into your art, uh, in a way. I mean, like it, it became something in Tomorrow Kings as we all got older. That in certain respects we were like, we don't have time to play around with people. We have kids. I don't, but a lot of us have kids. We all got nieces, nephews. We all mentor people. We're gonna bar you up. But we also are kids that grew up listening to Scarface and shit like that. 
but we're going to give you something that sticks to the ribs and, and fucks with you. Yep. And like, you know, like one of my favorite examples, one of the best rap lines ever was imagine peace in the world and there's no grief. Now imagine grief in the world and there's no peace. Yep. Simple as hell, but nobody else thought of it. But it also, it also says a lot. So, you know, it's kind of just chasing that. And, you know, honestly, like this record came at a time in which I was very worried about my health. Right. So, you know, so like this one, I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get as much out of it as I can. If this is my last time to see it, I was just, just like, you know, everything's cool, cool now. But you know, I was just like, if I gotta leave it all, if I gotta leave it all on the field, let me do it. Not only that, but let me not have to. Let me leave. Let me leave all that there, so next time I don't have to talk about it. Right, right. You well, and that is weird. When you complete something the right way, you get to look at it and feel a sense of relief, like. Ah, yeah. I don't have to say any more about that shit. It's right there. Right. Yeah. I mean, like every yeah, every so many years, me and my brother, because same father, different mothers, but five months apart. So we're in the same grade. We grew up together running parallel. Yep. You know. We will be drinking and he'll go, Yo, bro, remember that time we saw a dude hit with a shotgun when we were kids? And in yep. which case, I was tired of just always still having that in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wrote East Side Summer. And me and Colossal and I be focused. Basically, Tomorrow Kings used to meet every week. Yeah. For years. And very often, because a lot of my crew members were still living in that part of the city, they would be on their way home and be seeing a, a shootout about to happen. Or... About to come go home, and their family is like, you know what? Stay, stay, stay in one of your friends' house tonight because they shooting outside. Right. And we're in our twenties, mid twenties, late twenties. So one of my homies see people running down the street, so he think they're running away from violence. Looks and sees one cat with a long ass pistol, and realizes he's running towards the, the, the shootout, and turns around. And we're in our twenties, Dylan. So I reached out to two cats, two, you know, I reached out to Gyroscope. I was like, yo, are y'all down to talk about two moments of y'all childhood in which y'all saw violence? We have a bunch of them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, yeah. And they both talked and they, they both talked about two of the incidents. Incredible. You know. No, it's, it's, it's a lot. Now you don't want to talk about it again. No. We're gonna no. have to perform the song a bunch. You know, now, but like, we're not gonna write it, we're not gonna get back to writing it again. You know? No, that's, I mean, it that that is how committed the album is. I, I think it's it's a real important pace setter album that I hope pushes everyone's pen, uh, to, to, to deeper places because, uh, this is, yeah, this is impactful and this is a career record that, that, oh, thank you. It shows a side of Sketch 185 that needed to be shown. Um, no, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. A connection to the blues and to what the blues means and a, the connection to rap music and to America that's that's really important and people should grow with um, in terms of that understanding. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, you work on things, and I worked on this for a long time, and you never know how people are going to absorb it. Like I said, it can't. 
Sunday, they came out on Friday. Yep. So people are still, you know, people are still learning the record, still dissecting the record. And, you know, the fact that it's gotten such positive feedback so far, I'm just, I'm just very appreciative of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm so excited that it, you get to release it in a spotlight that is going to allow people to really feed it and enjoy it and, and love it. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's going to grow in the light. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to, to Woods and Phantom Power, you know, over at Backwoods for, you know, you know, being down the being down the rock with the record and really enjoying the record and really uh put that effort behind it. Nope. You know, because nope. you know, like there's only so much time every year, there's only so much money every year. There are only so many slots every year. Mm -hmm. The fact that they were the fact that they would they were down to put muscle and effort behind it. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. That's awesome. Uh so Okay, do you have anything else before we go to recommendation corner? No, no just That's great, great talk. Another beautiful, beautiful time. Uh, so, Bandcamp Friday happened. I yes. went nuts and copped a bunch of stuff. I want to rep some of it. Uh, there was, there's a, I love Malcolm Strachan, S T R A C H A N, uh, from the UK, trumpeter. Uh, released an album called Point of No Return. Uh, it's a really dope jazz album. Jazz has changed so much and experimented so much successfully and unsuccessfully that like, I kind of love and need a classic trumpeter first jazz album and Strachan does that. I, I love it. Uh, I wanted to shout that one out. There's uh, lots. Oh, Okay, did I tell you about the Sun Moonly project that I'm doing? No. So Sun Moonly, mm. Sun Moonly's dope, great rapper, and releasing his first album later on in the month. Uh, and I've loved a lot of the Lucy that he has on Bandcamp. And so what I've decided to do is I bought all the Lucys on Bandcamp Friday, uh, and I'm going to organize them into my own unauthorized album. <laughs> and I'm going to do a piece kind of explaining the album and my sequence why it is the way it is. Um, and it's called, my unauthorized album is called Album Closers because every Sun Moon sounds like an album closer. Um, so, yeah, check out some Sun Moon D if you get a chance there. Oof. Also, shout out to, to Midas the Beast who put out The Devil's Playground um, with Del Dig. Uh, and yeah, great follow up, different direction, love it. Uh, yeah, oof, I can't wait to have Stick Fig on again. They're gonna firm that up. Called mm. Pookie, that is beautiful, uh, and very human. Uh, and he's just the most normal dude in rap. It's, it's great. Uh, but yeah, he does that thing where he he will talk about the violence in his community. But he's very clear that he's just not the guy. He's the guy who's friends yeah. with all. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hearing that perspective, because most rappers are like, "I'm the dawn of the clique, and I send the murder weapons forward." Uh, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm cool. I'm, I'm, I'm the cool guy, the funny guy, and I, you know, I help everybody out. But you know, I wish everybody the best." Uh, 
That's yeah. He's he's a great. Yeah, he's dope. He's really dope. Yeah, great MC. Uh, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Uh, Sketch what are What are you listening to? What do you what do you want to recommend to the people? Let's see. Like, and I apologize. Like this week has been interesting because I've been working six days this week. Ooh. Like, yeah. I got I would have had two days off in the last two weeks. Damn. Well, let's see. Um, like it's it's been a light one. I've listened to um, I've been playing the Sauce Walker Ghetto Gospel record on. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, Gospel Three. Yep. I was listening to I was listening to the Sauce Walker a lot uh, when working on this record. Yep. You probably could hear it come through in certain respects. There's this cat uh, from my hometown who I just really started getting into, Kill Vanguard. Oh, his album I think I lost yep. is incredible. Yep, it is absolutely incredible. Let's see, like that. I, I checked out the new Lil Yachty. I'm only yep. half. I'm only five yep. songs in. I'm enjoying what I've heard with that one, to be real. Uh, my, my brother Uncommon NASA just re-released C87 by um, Side Bay and BMS. Damn. Uh, 15, 15th year anniversary of it. And that and that's, you know, sounding incredible. This is my first go-round with it, but, like, I've always been a fan of my Side Bay. Oh, yeah. I've, I've always been a fan of my Side Bay, so, you know, shout out to me. BMS is dope. I'd only heard like two tracks from them, so getting a full project is really cool. I'm finally uh, taking the time I should have taken to listen to Teller Banks. Oh my gosh! Who's, oh, the Big Lebowski East Side like, Jesus! Like, like, I can't, I can't stop listening to him. Uh, yeah, you know, and it, yeah, and there's a, and like the the cat's just a just a serious talent. Yep. Um, you know, you you that um. Uh, Sons of Commit, I, I stay um stay um playing that. Mm -hmm. There's a new post punk group called uh, Lifeguard. Yep. Uh, oh, like 18 years old out of Chicago. I just saw them perform like three weeks ago. Fantastic. One of the tightest drummers I've seen in a long time. And yeah. it's crazy hearing this from kids coming out of coming coming straight out of high school. Yep. Like those those are those are definitely. Those are definitely the ones that I've been, you know, so rocking with, you know, getting back, uh, you know, getting more into VB Brown, you know, uh, Maxo Cream has been constant lately. Oh, I love Maxo Cream, great stuff. You know, I, like, you know, like from there, just honestly, you can't copy, but just listening to demos of my boy Riff shit, yeah, and the variant projects that I know are coming out, and little bits of like Def C. And you know a few of the other homies. Whew. The controller I, seven. I wanted to shout out an album that is going to come out. It hasn't come out yet. I haven't even heard it all yet. Uh, it comes out March twentieth, two thousand twenty-three. I've heard three songs from it, uh, but it's it's Chicago MC named Water uh, with two R's. Uh, yeah, and Water. It's called Compendium of Arcanum. And it, okay. uh, it yeah, features Def C, uh, features Bohemia Lynch, uh, you know, Beats by Flu, Pharma Beats, Machacha, Timepiece, uh, Mighty Healthy. And it's, yeah, Water and Water is a very serious individual. 
Last year had an album called Life. Okay, okay. Uh, but I love I the the group that kind of the, the production group uh Mighty Healthy and Timepiece work together with Flu and a bunch of people. They call themselves okay. a little bit. And uh that Lupara group, uh they do great work on the production side. I'm excited to hear water over those those beats. Hobgoblin is a part of that. Yeah, it's it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be really good. Oh hell yeah! Yep. Thank thank you. Like I'm not I'm not familiar with the young brother. I'm a I'm a I'm a special time with him. Special time with him before work now. Water is dope. Water is dope. Shout out to everybody who's who's been showing love. We've got I I don't want to spoil this. K. We're in early discussions. Someone who was. Uh, in the early side, critical to backwoods in the early developments, write a series of articles for us about life in the early days of backwoods. Right? No gotcha shit, no weird Vlad type shit, but just like uh, <laughs> what was life like before all of this? Uh, how did this start? And I can't wait. I think it's going to be so cool. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Zilla Rocket for being a piece of that and helping that out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Peace, peace to Zilla. Peace to Zilla. Yep, yep. Everybody. Um, so yeah, and and I appreciate it. I can't wait to see your interview with the uh, Rap Music Plug podcast and you making the rounds. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's a. I got, I got. Like it's the first time in a long time. It's a. It was good. It was good. Peace to him over there. It's a, you know. Got a got quite a few um interviews to do so. I appreciate and I appreciate it. I appreciate it because that means people people are enjoying what they're hearing. So that means a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, they're connecting you, with it. Your piece of the history of Chicago is absolutely critical, right? The more you know about where you've been and what you've done and who you've been around, the more you know about the whole scene. Uh, so I, I if you love. Uh, this album, uh, please do it all, right? Please do it all. Please go back. Please yeah. He left nothing for the swim back. Please find Tomorrow Kings, the Tomorrow King archives that Lamont has posted. Find as much of it as you can uh, and get up on it because it's it's beautiful. So, yep. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bring what will tomorrow?